Hey folks, welcome back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 155. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 155. It's just us chickens in the house with no producer. We do have a guest coming up on the next episode tonight, um, so that'll be fun. But uh, it's just me and Jeff tonight, old school What ne- next episode? We well, record these uh, the on different days, whatever, whatever don't we? Whatever the next one is. Like, <laughs> I don't know why you're trying to show people the, uh, the, the yellow brick road behind the... The, uh, the magic? That, that's <laughs> yeah. you. You did that. How are you putting this on me, man? I don't know. That said magical Joel salesmanship right there, folks. You didn't even notice yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on. You're like, what the hell is he? What are they talking about? Like Joel's just, just trying te- to put it on me. Teasing the next episode. But uh, it's me and Jeff tonight. Jeff, how are you, man? Uh, I'm doing all right, man. I had uh, what's called a bone biopsy today. Yeah. Um, and my hat's falling off. Um, <clears throat> that was that was an interesting experience because uh, it's I was... a big needle, right? That they do that with? Yeah, or? apparently yeah. so. But uh, you don't see it you don't anymore. See it. You don't know. Uh, just hide uh, that from you. Right. And, uh, and just showing that... <laughs> You know, the difference between, like, you can tell that some of the doctors at university have been there since the old charity, right? Okay. And so the guy that came in was like, listen, I just want to let you know, you know, that like a lot of times when people do this uh, procedure, that it's just a long needle and we do local anesthet- on anesthesia. But this device that you're under right here allows us to be able to position the needle exactly where we want it. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, so you're a guy who used to be here before all the good gear <laughs> right. came in. He's like, we used he's to like, just be. He's like, like, I just want to let you know that we used to miss a lot with a huge <laughs> ass needle, and you're really fucking lucky and the beneficiary of all of this fucking tax dollars uh, being put to work uh, for you, which is what we should do with our tax dollars. You shout know? out that's, to uh, University Medical Center. That's, shout out to University Medical Center for getting the needle positioning device for the. A bone biopsy, but I can tell you, man, it was a cakewalk. It was not. Uh, I was really kind of worried that it was gonna because we weren't we weren't sure we were gonna record. We weren't tonight sure that because, we were gonna record tonight. Yeah, yeah because who know you know. Well, I didn't know what. I, did you even know this procedure was happening until just very recently? No, I did know. I knew a couple weeks ahead of uh, ago, um, or maybe ten days ago, something like that. Um, but I'll tell you something, Joel. I, I was explaining. I was explaining this to Ashley, who gave me a ride home. Uh, that you you know, at a hospital, departments don't act like departments in a corporation, you know, or in a not for profit or something like that. You know, like, well, like if you have a news organization, you have like the editorial, you have the news gathering staff, advertising, you know, yeah. and they all are under like the banner of like whoever the head honcho is. And they have to work in some kind of like, you know, combined unity uh, of goals, let's say. And even and some planned separation, like with the newspaper model. Planned separation with the like, news model, right, yeah. exactly. Even though, you know, we've identified earlier sure. that this kind of mythological planned separation, um, as, as much as our friends who are reporters love to believe that. Uh, but But at the same time... It's like, but in a hospital, it's like this. Like when you go into the radiology department, it's their mission control comes from other institutions and places um, and conferences and a set of guidelines that are like laid out nationally. And you you see what I'm saying? Like, like so. So in other words, the procedures that they adhere to 
and how it is that they choose to sedate or anesthetize you uh, can be wildly variant uh. from one department to another. You know, so for instance, you might think that that the kind of sedation uh, anesthesiology that I underwent today would be relatively the same as when you say get a colonoscopy, right? right? Two different departments, totally different, totally fucking different, different drugs. How so? Like completely. Well, so when you, you were knocked out less today than you were fucking way that? less. Yeah, it was basically like they half put me to sleep. Not even I didn't even go to full sleep at all. It's just that they just kind of like they gave me like the least tiniest tiniest bit of fentanyl and something else to Griper's jealous for yeah no kidding. Um, this he's gonna, he's gonna be mad now that I this said isn't that the that. kind of fentanyl. By the that way, he is gonna be gonna mad. Be really I know you violated sorry, the rule. I just violated you the did rule. it again. And the by the rule. way, Jesse shows sorry. called me today. <laughs> did he? Uh-huh. Jesus, that is a fucking callback, folks. You're gonna have to go back and listen to that episode. I don't even know which one it is, but uh, but anyway, and and I was on the way. I didn't catch the phone call, so I have to call him back. Um, but but to get back to this, um, so when I got to cut the colonoscopy and uh, endoscopy, <clears throat> it was uh, it, it was. They some kind of Venus fucking Mars drugs that they gave you that like essentially send you into the stratosphere, man. I mean, this is like psychedelic head trip type shit, man. Like you are not present in your body. You have taken a trip to the fifth dimension type drugs. Right. Okay. And I don't understand. That was the last time. That was it when I got the colonoscopy. And there was one other procedure that they did where it was like, I was kind of like, almost asleep but not you know and uh and then this one was totally different yet again and that's what i'm learning when you when you go in for these very specialized procedures like don't expect that there's going to be some Some continuity yeah there's no continuity between how they're going to put you under or or what they're going to do right you know they but i can tell you that um they they use lidocaine to as local anesthesia and you know, uh, my friend uh, David Burley had described it as like this, that you feel nonetheless this like immense pressure um, when they're performing the procedure and that it's really weird. And so I was just prepared in my head for an experience that I didn't have because I didn't feel that pressure at all. I didn't. And essentially it was like a, it was a cakewalk. Yeah, it was. There was hardly any pain. They put a bandage on my back and. Sent me on my way. Yeah. You know? Um, so. Good. So, and, and then the other thing was that I was uncertain how long it was going to last. And I was uncertain because of the drugs, whether or not, because they can give you some drugs where you just like, you're, you're out and you're done for the next six to eight hours. Sure. And they made it sound like that's what it was going to be like. They were like, they you. They prepared you. They no, were no. like. You have to find someone to drive you when you need to know who exactly they are before we authorize the procedure. Joel, Joel, and when I got in, they insisted on that. They brought it up right then, right. and they were like, "Is somebody coming to get you that you know who is going to drive you home?" Not a cab driver, because not we're not going to we're not going to release you. Right. So, in other words, the procedurally, there's one. A completely different set of anesthesiology slash sedation. 
that happened during this procedure. And also a completely different set and utterly hyperbolic... Contextualization of what expectations. Of of how fucked up you're going to be at the end of this procedure. Like, like it, they make it seem like you're going to be knobby-kneed, sure. and you're just going to have rubber band legs walking, trying to walk out. <laughs> right. of the, I was literally, like, envisioning this, that, like, they're going to have to roll me out in a wheelchair right? because I'm going to be so fucked up, and I might even need help from an orderly to get in the car because that's how they made it feel. And I'm, And the reason why I say that, folks, is because there are procedures where that you wind it. up like that, you know. Dude, when, and, I, when I was eighteen, I got my molars pulled, uh-huh. you know, like, went, and that's what does. happened. And you were like that, and I was like that, and, and my Christ. mom was there, but they didn't like. I was passed out, and I got up, and I was still like, and and I and I fell down on my face because <laughs> I was trying to yes. flirt with the uh, really cute <laughs> orderly, woman the orderly. who was the assistant on yeah. my procedure. Yes, because she was super cute, and I was eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> And I literally like got up. Spencer number two started walking. Spencer two. Spencer two. No, Spencer one. Spencer one. OG. OG. OG Spence. And so I literally fell on my face. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, and then they kept me there too long because I acted erratically. Because you did that. Because you did that. Yeah. And then yeah. I didn't have enough time to get to the pharmacy to get. The painkillers, so I had about an hour of like intense, excruciating pain. Pain, right? Exactly. But then, like two Friday nights later, maybe one Friday night later, um, I got stoned and uh, ate a Milky Way, and like, (laughs) and they were like, they were like, look, it's called like an, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like when when the thing gets pulled out of your molar, like the thing that's in there. I don't know what it's like. There's a uh, crown. it, they call it something. So if they're like, if you have a loose whatever, that it's so excruciating, painful, you just have to call us if it happens. Like, don't eat nuts. Don't eat, you know what I mean? Right, right. And of course, I went out on a Friday mm. night with my friends in high school, and I ate a Milky Way or whatever, a Snickers. And it went right and, down in there. And then I was just like, well, this can't be the amount of pain they're talking about. I mean, I was in excruciating pain. Right. But the way they described it, I thought, ah, it's got to be more painful. It's got to be more painful. Right. Yeah. Right. And it took me like three days to finally like go to the doctor. And they're like, Jesus Christ, how have you been living with your exposed nerves? Like your nerves in your tooth is exposed. Yeah. How have right. you been living that way? Right. I'm like, well, you told me it was going to be really painful. And you it know? wasn't as bad as you. It, it was. wasn't as ba- it was, it was bad. It was very painful, but not right. what I... The expectation management thing that we're talking about. Exactly, and, and and the funny thing is that you would you can rationalize in your mind that the instructions that you're getting are <laughs> due to an overabundance of caution. That's right. Based on a very wide sample size, because you sure. have people who are like really old and, and mitigation really, for litigation too, and mitigation for litigation and all of that stuff that they're like just going to cast the craziest, you know, most right. hyperbolic over cautious net over everything like so many things in our culture you know including like the mcdonald's coffee you know and (laughs) whatnot you know but that joel that that idea gets cast to the fucking wind when you just if you jump over one department in a hospital you know it just changes 
Yeah, just entirely. No, and then just like next thing you know, like they like kick you in the ass, you know, and you fall down in the bed and they stick a fucking needle in you, you know, and strap you to it and tell you it's going to be painful and it is. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're on on some psychedelic drug and they're sticking a fucking hose up your ass. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm telling you, man, like it is wildly variant and the experiences that you have. And sometimes, in fact, today it was like very sweet. They were it was like the sweetest, most caring nurses ever. You know, they were just was like Norma there. Every, Norma was not there. I love Norma. Norma is the most sweeting, sweetest and, and most caring nurse of all time. Uh, but 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 these nurses were like, I mean, just every move that they made, they were like, can you know, and look, you can put your shoes in this extra bag and then your clothes can go in this bag. And look, um, your hat doesn't have to go in the bag because we don't want to mess that up and we'll put it in a locker for you. You know, and all I'm like, oh, cool. You know, nice. And and even my Uber driver on the way over there was uh, talking to me about how she was like never get sick and she had to go to university the week before because she had this allergy attack because like the wind has been blowing like crazy. It's been nuts. And the allergy people's allergies have been going Dude. crazy this year. Like yeah. the pollen's been off the fucking yeah. charts, right? Yeah. And uh, and even if you don't have quote unquote allergies. You do. You're feeling you know, it. you feel it on, on some level. And uh, and she was talking about that and she was like, Man, I started having this headache and nah, nah, nah. and she had to go over there and she was talking about like she was like, Oh my god, man, it's like it's so much better now than it used to be. You know, because she was well Because she went from charity to charity to UMC, <laughs> is that it? Yes, yes. <laughs> and she was like essentially it was like this. She was like, They don't abuse you. Folks, charity used to be the place where you went if you got shot, period. That was kind of it, right? Isn't listen to me. Listen to me when I tell you this, man. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because she she said this to me. She goes, she goes, I was surprised they got to me very quickly at right. the at the in he, the emergency room. Right. She was like, in old charity, you might be there like a day and a half. A day and a half. <laughs> Just waiting. Because there's so many bullet wounds in front of you. And she said and she even said this because she had that left over from her previous she goes as long as there's no gunshot victims coming in you know it looks like they're rolling that line out pretty quick these days right and i'm like welcome to new orleans man right there like just in casual conversation it's like listen man as long as there's no gunshot victims everything's cool all right so just hope that nobody gets shot before well, you have to go before get your broken ankle taken care of. Yeah, or you or like the pollen's really bad, or you get like stung by a caterpillar and you happen to be fucking exactly. you know allergic, allergic to caterpillar to bites, exactly. you know, or something like that. And you just gotta go get some kind of shot for crying out loud. But but I, it was funny and I affirmed what she was saying. I, I was like, Yeah, when I went to the emergency room I was like pretty amazed by like how quick it was. It was like maybe a forty minute wait. Which is kind of like what you would expect, you know? Like, I mean, at a public hospital in a city like New Orleans, for crying out loud, with all the cockamamie shit that happens here. Yeah. Um, it's pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, that's pretty goddamn quick, man, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and that's due to the fact that, like, they have all this equipment and stuff there that just makes things go like a... Trim- and, and I think also... And they have, like, an army of young kids. They do, and, and, and there's been a kind of a revolution, I, I think... Uh, quiet revolution in, in healthcare about how to tackle uh, incoming issues in emergency rooms and where to send people. 
you know, and prioritizing things. Sure. From uh, so they have like it's evolved beyond triage. It's well, they have like these some other. They have these rooms that are called triage, and you yeah. go into triage one, two, three, sure. five, whatever. Yeah. And uh, you go in that room, and like within seconds, they're like identifying. First of all, they're identifying hyperbole. I think that's what they're doing sure. right off the bat. They're like. Are you are you crazy? Are you really fucked up? <laughs> are you are you look just me in, in the eyeball? Or are you just insane? <laughs> are you fucked up, or are you playing like you're fucked up because right. you like to be here, or are you over exaggerating how fucked up you are, or you know are I mean? you under exaggerating and maybe are you under exaggerating? We don't and want you to die, and you're stoic. Maybe exactly. you're stoic. Maybe you're stoic, and you have this problem, right? And so, like, they're trying to they're trying to work through that, right? You know? exactly. And they figured out some kind of way, like working through that really quickly, you know, totally. which like involves looking in your eyes, sure. you know, or something like that. I don't know what it is, but triage whisper. It seems like they got it down, you know, and it it probably has to do more with like just having the right amount of staff, you know. But uh, totally, and, and, tra- <laughs> and, 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 and training, and training, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, kudos to the folks over there at university uh, on that today. Uh, it got me out of there pretty quick, and they, of course, they were like, "Don't drive," and I'm like, "I'm driving over here," because, because Joel, I mean, as soon as I was done, she was like, "Do you want a wheelchair?" And I was like, mm, "Nah, I think I'm good." You know what I'm saying? So like, I got up out of the bed, and I, you know, I put my shoes on, and uh-huh. and I just walked out of the hospital. You know, Jeez. nice. That was it. She accompanied me, you know, down to the first floor, essentially, yeah. and and that was the end that of was that. Easy. Yeah, and Ashley picked you up. No, and I just went yeah. outside and I sat there, and I was like, I don't feel really bad. I mean, this stuff is like wearing off like really, really quickly. Good. Um, so that's what ha- that's what happened today. But look, Joel, I'm texting with Spencer right now. Oh yeah, is he coming? He, you know, millennials don't send clear texts. Yeah, it's everything like, is ambi- when, amb- ambiguous. Like when yeah. you and I text each other, it's it's, it's fucking clear. It's just pretty. It's short. It's terse. Yeah, no one's feelings get hurt about it being terse. There's no like kid gloves going on. We just communicate clearly with one another. Is it terse text. or curt? It, it can, might be curt. It might be curt. Yeah, it's just to and the we point. Can even just have it's that. To the we point. can even just say that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like I'm here. That's it. Yo, I'm standing by the flagpole. Sorry, they just had me barred backing today, and I just got out. Totally forgot to text you. My bad. Okay, like, okay. Still, it still doesn't answer the question of Are whether you, you coming, coming or not. So I said, "Come on by." Right, and did he respond? No. Of course, the, there it is, because the ambiguity is enough. Exactly. Right. They want to leave it ambiguous. <laughs> totally. They always want an out. Those millennials. They really do. They want to, they want, there's two things I've learned about millennials. They always want an out and they love to, if you're their boss, they love to tell you when they're going on vacation rather than ask. <laughs> ask. They don't ask about when they can go on vacation. They tell you that they are going on vacation and that's that. Sorry I meant to text you. That was probably like a big olive branch for him to say, sorry, I meant to text you. That oh, was yeah, like sorry. a big olive branch. Super. Yeah, that was hard for him to text that. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I just want to know if you're coming. I just want to know if you're coming or not. Just tell me, millennials, just tell me if you're coming or not. Just, yeah, yeah. Just let me know if you're showing up. That's all I want. That's all I care about. Tell me the actual physical space that you're occupying with some specificity <laughs> if I'm trying to locate where you are in geographic space and time. Right. And if you, if you are coming to something... 
and we've arranged and agreed that you are coming, you know, let me know that positively you are. And perhaps even you could go so far as to identify what time you might be arriving. I texted you, Jeff, at 6.55. And this is, look, look we're Generation, what, uh, X. We're Gen X, yeah. And I texted you at We're six, fucking perfect. At 6.55, I texted you. We had the best president ever. <laughs> exactly. At 6.55, I texted you. And our call time was for seven for tonight. Right, yeah. And I texted you at 6.55, hey, man, I'm 7.05. Not only that, you went a step beyond that. And you're like eating Rouse's sushi. Scarfing. Scarfing Rouse's sushi. Which I understand as a... You need as, the protein. As a person who scarfed many a Rouse's sushi, <laughs> right. how long that takes. Yeah. So I'm able to calculate in my mind, <laughs> Right. oh, he's probably going to be here by you know eight after. I was here at 7.05. Yeah, you were here at 7.05. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. And, and Come on, Spencer. So, and that's what we're talking about there, you know. All millennials, all of you are like that. <laughs> so, all of uh, you are like that. No, okay, so let's... Egg Elk Jubilee had a great set this weekend. That was a French good segue. Festival. I was going to segue into something else, okay, but we, we didn't. Okay, no, you go. Let's you talk go. about the most important news of the week, Joel. Um, so environmental catastrophe, uh, the looming environmental catastrophe for, catastrophe for the world is uh, hanging over this election. And of course... Um, in the gigantic field of Democratic candidates, it's becoming uh, essentially the top issue, at least right now. Good. In the, well, that's where in, the millennials are good in on the that issue. campaign. They're really good on this right. issue. But let's talk about this from the standpoint of the most important story that happened this week is that a man in Florida was killed by a gigantic bird uh, called a cassowary. I did not know about that. You didn't know about I, this? I have not heard about it. Oh, yeah. You're okay, so, so so this guy in Florida was... Uh, <laughs> Sorry he, about He owned a, this bird. There's these... Uh, there are many... There's only a few, actually, species of flightless birds that are gigantic in the world, right? Oh, and so they're just a walking bird. It's a flightless walking bird, right, from Australia. That's right. And It's like an ostrich. It is essentially like an emu or an ostrich. Okay. Yeah, it's in that varietal. But okay. it has like this... Uh, it has this kind of funny head, and its plumage is like more uh, brightly colored, you know. Nice. And uh, but also, it has uh, the distinctive feature of having a four-inch long, essentially knife uh, for one of its uh, claws on its oh, on its on its claws. Gotcha. Like I don't know how to inch. a talon. One of its a talon. talon is like four-inch it's like blade. Four, it's like a four-inch long blade on the talon on a bird that stands six feet tall. Jesus Christ. Okay. So, so people have said that the cassowary is a man killer. You could, yeah, you could Billy Blade. What's what's that movie with uh, what's his what you call? I don't know. Billy Blade, Billy Bob Thornton. Movie. Kill Bill Part Two. Billy Bob Thornton movie. Kill, uh, oh, oh, Sling Blade. Sling Blade. It's basically it's like a that. Sling Blade. It's like that. On a. It's claw. like a dumbass who can kill you. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a talon that acts as a sling blade exactly. that's attached to a claw exactly. on a six foot tall flightless bird. Right. Right. That's gigantic and weighs like hundred and forty pounds. Wow. Right. It's so got it's, girth. So it's got girth. Like this thing can knock can it kill can you. Fuck you up. It can just fuck you up. Right. Exactly. Right. And 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 it's not even just think about how big an ostrich is. Then. Sure. That's like eight feet of bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like like that bird is Anyway, uh, my point is this: is that how does what does that have to do with environmental climate? I'm change? getting to it. <laughs> okay. All right, there's going to be another segue as I'm winding up this story here. So this guy uh, 
bought somehow. How the fuck do you even buy buy that? How do you buy a cassowary, right? So some guy in Florida, and the Florida man thing is just off the chain, you know? Well, yeah. It bothers the shit out of Michael Patrick Welch, man, (laughs) that people from Louisiana point out people from Florida as being nuts. But everyone points out that Florida men are fucking out of their mind. Is he from Florida? He's from Florida. Right, exactly. Come on, Michael Patrick Welch. Right, right. Come on. You can't tell just looking at him? (laughs) Kind of can. Yeah. So so, uh, he bought this bird and he was caring for this bird and and i gotta think you know this is some kind of like demented form of libertarianism right okay so this guy is probably some who knows who knows what kind of guy he is he's probably some crazy trump supporting libertarian nut job sure who lives in florida who's like i can buy a cassowary if i want <laughs> i could raise a giant bird for free in my backyard. You know what I'm saying, Joe? You can see that person existing in Florida. There's no or, question. Or Germany. Or Germany. Yeah, I'm going to. I can raise uh, this uh, bird if I want to. No one can tell me that I cannot raise this bird. So he, he, he's out there trying to feed the bird. And he falls down. Okay. And the bird immediately is like, food. I'm going to eat this motherfucker. It's like food slash weakness. I'm going to eat this motherfucker. So these birds are like, they're, they're, I don't, they probably are carnivorous and eat animals fucking bigger. Right. Bigger than that guy. Bigger than most animals that we eat, baby. Like a goat is probably like within an okay range for a cassowary. You know what I mean? Like it sees a goat and it's like food, dinner. So... So it goes over to the guy and immediately just starts slicing this fucking guy with the four inch long fucking right. sling blade on its talon on its claw. And it kills the fucking guy. Yeah. It kills him dead. And I was looking at this and rest I was, in peace. and I was rest in peace, fella. And I was, I was looking at this and I was, I was thinking this guy, I was thinking this guy, it has to be illegal in the state of Florida to own and raise that animal a cassowary <laughs> right. right it just has to be it is and it has to be some libertarian thing where it's like I can put anything on my property I goddamn I well my fucking property that I can I'll put anything here. on it and I'll shoot any gun hey. I can put a fucking <laughs> nuclear bomb on this mother I just blow it up you got a missile I'll fucking put a missile or a bazooka. I'll put a missile on a fucking I have rabbit a German, tail. I have rabbit a tail ger- missile. I have a genuine German bazooka from World War II that is operational, and the only thing wrong with it is you cannot get the ammo. But I strap it to my cat. But I every now and again, I take it out there and play like I'm shooting it just to show it to my friends. That kind of thing, you know what I mean? And and But here's the rub, Joel. It's perfectly legal to own a cassowary in Florida. Okay. Of course it is. Of course it is. Of course. Of course. In the state of Florida. As long as it's in self-defense. You can have. <laughs> you can own any fucking exotic animal that you want, even if it has a four-inch long fucking sling blade talent. That can kill you. That can just fucking kill you. Anytime it wants. You can own a face-eating fucking chimpanzee in Florida if you want, <laughs> just because Florida has some just wackadoo fucking laws. And my point in saying this is this, is that to transition into the environmental <laughs> cause argument is that this is the kind of attitude and belief 
these kind of belief systems that exist that that because look joel a law like that that allows for that doesn't happen without somebody advocating for it right so who's that which means yeah. someone in florida at some point in time historically right came up with the idea that the exotic animal ownership restrictions in the state of florida or non-restrictions whatever they are just said we don't we can't have restrictions on animals that we want to own sure. anything we want to own a tiger including guns a f- gorilla if i want a fucking gorilla <laughs> silverback put him in my backyard johnny the silverback do you see jurassic park too I wrote a song called Johnny the Silverback. You ought to hear it. Johnny the Silverback. He was a running free. Johnny the Silverback. Oh, shit. That animal has to pee. It's, it was like that. And uh, anyway, uh, somebody advocated for like the universal uh, uh, approval of all animals. And the idea that and universal the, all look, guns as the, well sorry the idea that there's a market that supports reaching down into the most exotic corners of the world um, in terms of what kind of animal can be had how is that animal transported from wherever it was living before to wherever it was it to this private owner right how was it transported how did it get i mean there's so many questions that i have out of this and it just shows you the rape of the environment and that in the united states it's kind of like blood diamond in the united states we have it is kind of like a blood diamond yes yeah. like imagine i imagine there's like th- <laughs> there's three people who live in the outback in australia right. who got sliced by that fucking right. four inch fucking exactly talent. already Already before it got shipped. No, to just getting it for this guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Like three exactly. people died in yeah, route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like had a big net. Yeah, and they're like looking at it, and they're like, okay. But the money was good enough. Oh, you know, go to the left, <laughs> go to the right, slice, slice. <laughs> ah, shit, mate. <laughs> My mate got killed. Oh god, crikey! You know, it's like you got <laughs> like this guy. There was probably more human death involved <laughs> with that one with animal. that one animal. Than anything you could possibly think exactly. of, and this is what happens when you rape the earth of 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 its, its natural environment and, here's and the, the wildlife and, here's the and the wildlife that exists. And that in I've been thinking about this issue of the environment, and there was a candidate that was on Pod Save America who was talking about everybody who talks about the environment talks about how. For instance, and you saw the John Kerry thing with the idiotic Republican who was asking the most idiotic questions in sure. the most idiotic moment sure. in the history of the House, sure. which went viral. Sure. And uh, you know, the parts per million are are in the air are beyond where it was ever imagined that it would be at this point in history. Yeah. There's no sign that we're going to roll the stuff back. Um, in this country, we have 40% of people who are total idiots and lunatics who don't even believe in climate science okay. at all. Um, so we're, we are just, we have this sack of lead that is like hanging around our neck that is this population of complete morons who have, I mean, like what is the, 
what is the percentage of people who call themselves Republicans who actually believe in climate science? 1.5% maybe? Maybe it rises to the level 7. of... 75 like, optimistic and <laughs> that would be an optimistic appraisal yeah. yeah exactly and that here in Louisiana um, even more than Florida I would say in two states in the United States uh, they talk about the environment as though it's still something that is in the future okay this environmental catastrophe not as though we're already on the leading edge of it or past that point sure. at this point and and we are because in the state of Louisiana, we are already uh, moving communities on the coast inland. And, and, and this is what I thought, that the guy that was talking about is like, we need radical transformation now. And it's like, the last thing that's going to happen is radical transformation now. It's just not going to happen. The world that... Wait, uh, who was saying this? This, I, this the can, guy from Pod Save America? From Pod Save America. He's a new candidate for president. I'm not even sure what his name is. Right? Yeah. He's one of the guys that's not going to win, right? But and he was uh, saying like, now's not the time. No, no, he's saying now is. No, he's saying now okay. is the time. Okay. He he's saying that he was going to make environmental catastrophe, climate change, his main issue, his central issue, his central issue that yeah, he's yeah, banking yeah. his campaign on. Got right. It. And I think that in a, in a sense that's a smart strategy because there's so much fluidity in terms of like what candidates can latch onto. There's healthcare. There, you know, from the Democratic perspective, sure. you know, and then there's, you know, environmental catastrophe. And uh, and so those really are the two main. <laughs> well, environmental. Well, guess what? Environment is two things, Jeff. <laughs> oh, Environment's yeah. your personal being and your <coughs> earth. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, your personal being is requires the earth. Exactly. And so and the air. so it's earth Gosh. first. Right. And, and the air. Uh Anyway, we live we live on the on the leading edge of environmental catastrophe in Louisiana. You don't, rest of America. You just don't. You don't. Um, I'm sorry to tell you this, and uh, don't try to draw false equivalencies about you thinking that you live on the forefront of environmental catastrophe. We live you, on you it. Vote, you voters in Iowa don't understand what environmental crisis looks like. Yeah, I mean, you, you're starting to flood now, you know, as a result of that, you know, and right. people in uh, Nevada and Iowa sure. have, are seeing some of that. But we have the Mississippi River also, and it's bigger down here. And we also have hurricanes. It's, it's and we the have the biggest conduit into uh, the, our, our, our country. Of course, yeah. And, and we have, we have uh, coastal erosion. We have hurricanes. We have every kind of... Uh, thing that environmental science has been telling us for years is going to happen is already happening here in Louisiana. We see it all the time. We have more yeah. floods than we used to have. We have more erratic weather than we used to have. Um, we're m way more vulnerable than we used to be here. Uh, we're vulnerable to river floods. We're vulnerable to hurricanes, um, even though we've shored up things. And we have subsidence. And all kinds of things going on down here in Louisiana that put the rest of the country essentially to shame, except for Florida, which is why <laughs> I brought up Florida <laughs> in a, in a sense, because Florida um, also shares many of the in sure. environmental catastrophe problems that uh, Louisiana does. And so those two states are really the ones that can talk about it. And, and it's true that it is happening 
and um, we have to deal with it all the time living here in Louisiana and uh, everyone else in the United States eventually is going to have to deal with it as well because it's real it's true and uh, getting back to the candidate it's that when you hear candidates talking about <laughs> the coming environmental catastrophe as it slowly creeps into our lives. Um, quickly creeps. Or quickly. Look, <laughs> you, I don't share their optimism, I think is what I'm trying to say here, Joel. I, I, just, I just don't share their optimism because... The am- it's already done. The amount it's already done. First the, of all, like the you badness can, is already done. Well, look, it's like an oven. Like you, when you turn it off, man, you it's can't gonna take a little while for it. Yeah, to you still don't want to put your hand high. on the in the oven, you know, for another hour. Exactly. You know what I mean? And like that's where we are in geologic totally. time. Totally right. And and so because of things that we've done, we're like thirty years of like like we've we've, we've created we've 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 infused the atmosphere with enough carbon dioxide that we actually have. Even if we turned off the spigot now, it would take more time in geologic time than the amount of time that it took to put it in to get out of it. So in order in order to be rid of it and to have our atmosphere return to the natural state that it, it normally is in and should be in. Right, exactly. We're, we're fucked. So, so, so that being said, everyone tries to dance around this, uh, the inevitability of the catastrophe. And, That's coming. And they don't want you to engage in despair. They want to be optimistic about the idea that human beings can bring this man-made problem under control somehow in our lifetime. And they keep harping on this idea. Since the 1980s they they were doing this. They keep saying this. They keep saying over and over that it's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. Technology will overcome. It is too late. It is too late. And and here's the, the issue, the thing that's going to happen for real. Is that because uh, how do I know this? Because we're already doing it in Louisiana. Is that those coastlines are going to go away and we're going to be a shrunken nation in the world. Uh, the land masses that are available in the world to live on are going to shrink um, by some percentage. Square percentage that um, is going to dramatically affect Miami is going away. It's it's Who's going to dramatically affect going cities that are on that exist on v- near coastlines. Yeah, and that includes most of the biggest cities in the world. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and and so because that's where the real estate was hot. Well, I mean, because people like to live, people like to live near the coast, and and also because so much trade happens as a result of, of water, because of, of boats. boats, because it's the that's way what New Orleans. What? Yeah, we've always, I mean, going all the way back to the Phoenicians, sure. um, uh, trade over water is the number one that's way that transport is uh, is is accomplished between wow, human beings. Downer, I, I know it's a downer Debbie Downer. Podcast. It is a little bit of a downer podcast. That's but true. You know what? <laughs> but but I just want to make people like live in a real ha- to have a real sense of like what's coming and to understand that like if look if you don't if if the idea is to not despair then let's not despair about the idea of moving all right 
then we have to wrap our heads around that. That that that's that's going to be a part of it, a yeah. big part of it. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to get you. Have, you better get to boys real quick. Well, I mean, Des Moines. You, you just for a time you're going to have to. You, you know, you're going to have to move fifty Birmingham, miles in. Birmingham. It's going to have to go Mo- like Mobile. Fifty miles. No, Mobile's done. They're, they're going to be gone. Too. Yeah, that's going to be gone. Yeah. Fuck. So I, you know, I don't know what some depressing shit. I know, how but I mean, I don't know what to we, tell. How many minutes are we in? Every one of these Democratic candidates wants to say that we can bring it under control, and we can't. We can't. We just can't because it's too out of control. And the other thing is that we have forty percent of our population is like drill, shoot more shit into the atmosphere. <laughs> I, know. I mean, we just have this fucking lead nutsack of morons. That we have to deal with constantly, who are just dragging us to the bottom to of the, the fucking bottom, ocean. To the bottom, right? Of the ocean. Exactly. Like we're like bottom you know? feeder fuckers. And like, look, here's my here's my point. If you think also, I, I could go super dark with this if you want, man. But if if you think that somehow we're gonna claw our way, here's the claw thing. All right, we're gonna be facing essentially a figurative cassowary. Uh, attacking you with a fucking four-inch talon, slicing you like like a sling blade, because what what is going to happen is that the pressures that it exerts on humanity, and which it's already exerting on humanity, is going to result in more wars and people totally. fighting over resources. Over that shit. Yeah. Over that shit. Exactly. Yeah. And the typical way that people respond to that is, you know, to elect idiots like Donald Trump. Right. That's been what has happened as a response to uh, a, a variety of uh, catastrophes. And usually, generally, Joel, the the worst catastrophes that happen to man in the Western world, in the in the first world Western world, are economic in nature. Sure. So when you get essentially a privileged class of people who suddenly are, you know, standing in standing in line for cold, or they're standing in line for cold potato soup. Right. You know, you wind up with these, you wind up with morons running things. Right. And then you wind up with poor people going to fight wars and dying in mass and encampments in order to get rid of the bad people and there's a lot of people who already are saying that what we're seeing now in terms of syria what's happening in central america is a result because those nations where people are fleeing from as you're seeing war and you're seeing uh and you and you're seeing people fleeing from those parts of the world because the closer you get to the equator, the greater the environmental catastrophe. Totally. Goes. And that's, yeah. All right. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Right. And so. Folks, if you're not paying attention to the fucking. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't. Well, I mean. I mean, if you're not I just paying, felt like I had to talk not, about that. If you're not paying attention you know, to the environmental catastrophe that's upon us, then you're not paying attention. Then then we're not. Then what are we even, why are we even here? I feel like we have to... Why are we even here? How, why would... Why we would, have Jazz Fest coming up. Well, Joel, why would, we have a, why would we have a podcast if we didn't do service to like the most That's meaningful right. things that we have to talk about in society today, right? Yeah. We should do that on our show. Of course. Even if it bums people out, right? Yeah. It should make people feel uh, galvanized. Bummer. Bummer. Bummer.
It should make people feel galvanized. It should make people feel galvanized. Maybe hopefully do some change. Look, there were, uh, you know, like, and how you vote. I know we've been talking about this for a long time, but I just want to say, I read this other thing that a friend of mine who, like, there's a buddy of mine who's like, he's always been like, I'm an anarchist and I'm super fucking revolutionary guy and blah, blah, blah. And he always posts his stuff. It's the most, like, radical shit of anybody that I'm friends with on Facebook. And he, like, puts his shit out there, like, every day. He's like, he's like in some fucking, like, canal. You know, that's just like filled to the brim. I, I mean, he has a line on the most radical fucking articles. That, I don't even know how he gets these things, but he does. And he puts <laughs> them on Facebook. And like, so there was this guy and he's like, we need a revolution. You know, that's the only way we're going to get out of this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, man, like revolutions don't result in good. Like they don't. There's a very spotty record of revolutions. Sure. Uh turning out well for right. the human population right. that uh, live under the governments right. that follow them. Exactly. Right? And I'm not saying that the previous governments were that great, but the promise but the of the future... is not... No, no. No. Yeah, you know, like, Napoleon got crowned emperor after the right. promise of the fucking revolution, right. you know? Like, let's have a revolution in Germany. Uh, yeah. We bombed the fucking thing and wound up with the fascist who murdered six million people. Let's have yeah. a revolution in fucking uh, Russia and have the Soviet Union yeah. where 20 million fucking people were murdered, yeah. probably more, yep. you know? And... You, you know, okay, United States had a revolution, and we wound up with a constitution, you know, <laughs> right. all right? You know, so, right. I mean, I don't know, you know, like, it's like the pendulum can swing either fucking way, you and, know, and, when you talk about a revolution. too, by the way, like, we're like, we're only 250 something, you know what I mean? It's like, totally. It's not totally. like we're on, like, completely steadfast grounds. And look, life isn't, like, so fucking bad, you know, in other no. places either, you know, like, you might not be able to talk about everything that you want to talk about, but at the same time, it's like... This idea that, like, you know, everybody's living this horrid life in China or something like that, you know, that people in the United States have is is a little bit generalized and, and silly. Not just a little bit. It's a lot generalized and silly. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, you know, the outcomes of revolution. And anyway, so I read the article and it's like it's about revolution, you know, because and he's talking about some of the same things, Joel, where he's like, we're never going to get past this and we got to do this and we're at this number of parts per million. And it's, you know. At, but but he doesn't really he still is talking about this thing of like hope and that you know it's not too late and uh and and we got to replace this system of government in order to like move forward because it's going to be environmental catastrophe that's not what people do what people do is this is that the disaster happens and they fucking move and we react and we react when it happens. We're, we're not proactive. We're reactive. We're reactive when it comes to environmental it, disaster. Totally, completely. Yeah. Look, look, man. There was like, for the three years leading up to Hurricane Katrina, there were monies like in the budget that were like, not big monies. Like, I want to say it was like 500 million bucks or something. Hey, don't hold me to that. But right. for marshland protection in the south coast of louisiana for like hurricane protection yep you know what i mean yep. just to mm -hmm. because just to restore the marsh right sure you know this better than i do and that money never got passed and then hurricane katrina happened and suddenly 600 billion dollars had to get spent yeah no exactly exactly it could have been 500 million <clears throat> 
you know, sure. To, to, sure. to not have that disaster happen. Well, let me give you a perfect For example. year after year after fucking year. Let me give you a perfect example of, of proactive versus reactive, like you're talking about, right? Is that the, the initial plan to redo the levy system in New Orleans was enacted as a reactive measure after Hurricane Betsy in 1965. Okay. There was a massive, again, like that was their Katrina in yep. that era. Sure. Right? And uh, direct hit, massive flooding, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. Um, my mother was here for that one. And that plan, 40 years later, <laughs> 75, 85, 95, 2005, 2005. Yeah. 40 years later, that plan was still being followed and enacted, Joel, <laughs> right. because the the trickle of money and sense of urgency um, as a dissipated over time, and and the plan got altered massively. <coughs> and then the other thing is that, like, if you don't implement it all at once um, and say construct all of the improvements within say 10 years then it's fucking suddenly it's 40 years later right right and everything's need, is in need of massive maintenance because it's old right right and you're like oh shit didn't we start we we started this in 1965 for crying out loud and and in the meantime like for instance like you have neighborhood groups to thank um in lakeview Thank you, neighborhood groups in Lakeview. Neighborhood groups are great. They're great for safety and for community organizing. They're fucking great. Sorry, okay. Sarcasm. Neighborhood groups in Lakeview in New Orleans got involved, were allowed to get involved with in the process of deciding how and where the pumping of the water was going to take place. Why would a neighborhood group get involved have, in pumping? How would they know or have the expertise or any opinion whatsoever on the science that's involved in the hydrology of of draining the city of New Orleans? It's just simply this that they were like, We don't want you building those fucking pumps in our backyard. That's all it was. And because because the sense of urgency in nineteen sixty five, because the environment was completely different and the level of subsidence and coastal erosion wasn't as great and the sense of urgency wasn't as great then sure. as it is now that they slowly were able to claw their way into the decision-making process and they moved those pumps to the inside of the canals, right, into the city. And of course, they picked poor neighborhoods right you know essentially it was by a, the whole foods now <clears throat> essentially it was broad exactly essentially it was racism yeah you know? right exactly that's what they did and and they said this is where the pumps are going to go because that's in the poor black neighborhoods right and no one we don't care about them so that's where we're going to put the pumps so so my point is this is that when uh yeah yeah Sorry. go ahead bummer Super episode. bummer episode. <laughs> anyway. Um, Sorry, continue, please. And of course, like all of the hydrology experts and the people who are in the know about how to drain stuff, especially like Dutch engineers, were like, no, you have to put them... <laughs> 
clearly they have to be at uh, the <laughs> they have to be where the lake is <laughs> they have to be where the lake is <laughs> it's not inside it has to be where the lake is <laughs> totally and that's it this is where the dam has to be built you know and so and it's like and they understand that you know and because Europeans are fucking smarter than us and they have a greater level of humanity they built things right over in the fucking Netherlands man they understand how to do that shout out Amsterdam Phil and then we kind of <laughs> shout out to Amsterdam Phil we kind of got that done though after Katrina we built something that was more along those lines well because the sense of urgency overwhelmed the politics. It was reactive instead of proactive. It was reactive. <laughs> because because the neighborhood groups got proactive, right. they fucked everything up and they fucked us completely. So you had this, what was going on during Katrina. In the canals, you had uh, the storm surge was coming in because there's no dam at the beginning of the canal. Right. And then the pumps are pumping water into the incoming water. So you have water that's trying to get out and water that's coming in at the same time, fighting right. against each other, creating this massive sure. pressure on the, uh, whole system. On, on the levee system. Yeah. That, and, and so it makes perfect sense why that's what failed. Sure. And, and why we flooded the way that we did, right? And you have these neighborhood groups to thank because they fought tooth and nail to have those pumps put inside the city into poorer neighborhoods. Thanks, racist And that's assholes. where they are. Thanks, racist assholes. And now, only now, they they overwhelm that bullshit, and now all the dams are at Lake Pontchartrain. Yeah. In 2000, it took Hurricane sure. Katrina, to, it took for 40 that to years for that to after Hurricane for, Betsy, after Betsy, even though people had said, that's exactly what we need to do right. after Hurricane Betsy, and they defied that, from an engineering standpoint, it took 40 years for them. And, uh, folks, that is how people in the United States respond to environmental catastrophe. So, uh, and, and, are, and, are, are and we trying to say that scale, we're so fucking good now and that we're better than that? We're going to respond at, better than at, that at now? A, at a global scale, what's it going to take? Is it going to take, like, a, a, a piece of a continent to go away? for us to react we have to say we have to just go the only instrument that can make it happen in any amount of time that is going to be that's going to avoid the worst possible catastrophe because there is going to be it's we're already, ex we're already existing there. in a yeah. world where this catastrophe is unfolding before our eyes right um, but it's just a matter of like how we, the degree can to we, which can we mitigate it to some, and you, to some like like you would need to do level. this i think in the united states you would have to say in 10 years we're going to totally revolutionize our electrical grid sure and make and into a green grid totally that would be one thing that you would have to do it's just done. like right off the bat yep. now now it makes me wonder this like when i think about that you you think back to the turn of the 20th century when electricity was just coming into the industrial floor. Industrial revolution. And the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. And how long it took um, after the advent, uh, the battle between direct current and alternate current sure. um, was finally solved in favor of Tesla's alternate current because yep. you could have a 
power station that was positioned many, many miles sure. away instead of inside the city centers. Yep. We still see that today. You know, I don't know if you know that, but like the yeah. the historic remnants of that is like if you go down on Elysian Fields yeah. and there's that old like kind of beautiful building that's down there uh-huh. across the street from the Michaelopolis thing. Okay. Right. And it's there's an electrical power grid right I there. Yeah, right. Yeah, and there's yeah. a building there. But that building housed a, you know, the old, old, old electrical sure. system that many cities had, you know, because there was this fight between uh, Edison's DC current and uh, uh, it was like v- Tesla. it was like VHS versus beta. It was essentially the VHS <laughs> versus beta uh, of the of the time. That's right. That's a that's a good analogy, Joel. Well done. And uh, it, seriously, uh, and so obviously alternate current won because you could put power, you have big power plants, and put them far away, and you know that's better than having like a churning. Sure thing that's dropping soot on top of you like um and look folks people recognize that that was an environmental catastrophe back then sure and that they had to get rid of that because breathing soot was bad (laughs) and so they said let's get rid of that it's like why are we all living in a coal mine but we're right right yeah yeah we're not miners you know we're not part of that um so what you would have to do is have this is why i mentioned that it's like how long did it take society to make that transition you know and How long did it? I, i'm gonna say that it was probably on the order of 10 to 15 years yeah and that's and and, and then you're talking that's pretty quick that's pretty quick when you consider 10 to 15 the, is quick you're talking about people who are like transporting quick. themselves you know using horse-drawn that's fucking what no, buggies that's what I'm saying. you know what i'm we saying we can make that kind of transition quick now Quick now. We can do that. Is the point. No, that's my point. Like, how long did it take to really go from horse-drawn carriage to the automobile? Sure. You know, 10, 20 years, something like that? Totally. So you have to have that kind of revolution. Even though we still call, like, the car, like, horse-powered, which is funny. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. And we we still use words like master plan. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. I don't know why is that weird. Man? Master like slavery. like master race and master yeah master yeah. slavery like I we know. still use like master yeah. plan the master plan like it comes up it's going to be what we're devising here Dude. ladies and gentlemen is the master plan Tiger Woods just it's won the Masters the Masters <laughs> why do you think it's called the fucking Dude, Masters? the last the last thing in the world why do you think it's called the fucking Masters? the last sport in the world that should ever use that word is exactly. golf Ever. Exactly. Golf should never use that word. Dude, is there <laughs> other shit that we were supposed to talk about? I don't know. Um, we had, I wanted to talk about your show at the French Quarter Festival. I don't know how long we Because we're at an hour now. I wanted to say, I wanted to shout out to Cousin Andy, as always. I wanted to talk about the advocate a little bit. Uh, they, oh, they want a Pulitzer? Yeah, and everyone's God white, damn it. white in the newsroom. That is a that's racist a, newspaper. That's man. a weird fucking thing. It's a racist newspaper. It's every fucking one's white. And, I cannot uh, tell you the number of times that the advocate has like literally has pandered in a racist manner to uh, the white suburbanite Trumpy uh, sentiments. Yeah, fuck, out there. fuck the advocate. God the damn. Um, though the whatever they want it for, uh, the which I know, which is the um, God damn it, help me out here. The uh, what was it about? It was the issue about uh, removing the um, fo- fuck. I I'm spacing it. I'll come up with it on the next episode. But it was a good issue to get behind, right? You know, um, 
What was it about, man? Was, could, was it an environmental thing? No, it was. Uh, it was. A, it was a, oh, oh, it was about removing the obstacle the, to uh, felons and yes, uh, being able to vote. I think that was it. People who came out of prison, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Because Louisiana, for once, I think it's the first time Louisiana has ever taken a lead. In my, any, in my lifetime on any issue that could be considered progressive. Right. Right. Because Louisiana did. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't felons voting. It was the uh, non-unanimous jury. Thank you. That's what it was. God damn. We were the last one to so, counterpoint so here's, to what we were saying. We were the last fucking state in the union no, that Oregon. still had. Oregon. On Oregon and us. We beat Oregon. We beat Oregon, which is a we point We fucking of, beat Oregon. Which is a point Fuck of you, fucking, Oregon. Matthew. Yes. McLean. We're more progressive We're than more Oregon. Progressive yeah, than yeah. Smoke your weed. <laughs> Smoke your weed in Oregon. Yes. Yes. We have have to have a unanimous jury now. <gasps> and you're still fucking around. Mucking about over there in you're Oregon. Still, so thank you. Because so, your state was founded as a white supremacist totally, fucking uh, totally. uh haven. Totally. So that's Take what that. uh, that's what uh um they got the Pulitzer for, but it's like they showed all these photos online, and like there's not a person of color in the fucking. Photos. I saw somebody point that out. It's really I, I saw that get pointed out, and they're um, like, they're like, here's the here's the advocate staff. Everyone's white. But look, we have. I can't fucking let this podcast go without saying that Egg Yolk Jubilee crushed it this weekend. Oh, Prince thank Porter. you, man. That's very sweet. No, I don't think, I yeah. mean, uh, you guys fucking rocked it, man. Thank you. And, uh, folks, uh, it was an inspired show. You rocked it on the Flying V. Mac rock. I mean, all you guys, it was fucking great. And you guys are playing Jazz Fest coming up. We are playing Jazz Fest coming up. Imagine, imagine right. to say this as a segue. Maybe we wrap it up on this about ageism. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sure. I'm an ageist. <laughs> I'm an ageist for sure. Yeah. And the fact that like all this like problematic stuff with the Jazz Fest was about aging people not being able to perform because of health issues. I was like, look, if fucking Mick Jagger Bro, and I'm, Stevie I'm, Nicks. I'm so glad you brought that can't, up. Can't fucking perform at Jazz Fest when they've been booked. Don't fucking vote for Bernie Sanders or fucking Joe Biden. Or Elizabeth Warren, even for that even, matter. E- for that matter, right? You know, I I've been trying to tell people this, man, for like, dude, if you're if you're fucking past sixty five, you can't fucking work fourteen hours a day, which is what the job requires. Look, sorry. All I can all I can say sorry. is this, man, is that I was going to post something on Facebook, and and I didn't about exactly what you're saying because I just wanted to like make the point. You know, and and then I was like, I'm just not going to do it because like the sensitivity level about the Rolling Stones not playing and then Fleetwood Mac and everybody being fucked with was so high that I was like the widespread panic guys. He's like in his 70s. So he's probably going to cancel. I know it's not like widespread. He's probably going to cancel, too. They're old. They're old as fuck. They're easily as old as fucking Fleetwood Mac. They're probably going to cancel. They're probably going to (laughs) cancel. The only reason why those guys are ready to play is because they constantly tour and they're ready to play all the time and they're somehow they're preserved like like 
when they go to their hotel rooms, they actually like they sleep in formaldehyde. I've, I've, I've hung out with them. You don't know that. Rooms. I've right. hung out with them. They have a formaldehyde On my chamber. 25th birthday, I hung out with Widespread Panic. Seriously. <laughs> oh, you did? On my 25th birthday. You're like, these guys are 70 I now. I went to San Francisco. <laughs> and I'm 50 now, people. <laughs> right. Right? And I went to their fucking hotel room. And we like ordered Domino's and drank whiskey. And watched uh, that movie, uh, the black and white movie... Uh, not movie, TV show. Um, with the anyway, the shit. Do we have our guest coming? Uh, no, no, I don't see him. The right. guest, uh, uh, the 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 TV show. Fuck, man, the black and white TV show doesn't. What matter. the honeymooners? No, something like that. But it was like, yeah, no. oh, like get smart. Oh, get smart. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> and like I did that with get widespread smart. panic. <laughs> get. Wait, what do you mean you did that with widespread panic? You did what? On my twenty fifth birthday, uh-huh. I went to the show, uh-huh. and and I hung out with them afterwards, and I went yeah. to their hotel room, motel, and you watched Get Smart, and we watched Get Smart, and we ordered pizza and I had a bottle of whiskey, and I hung out with them till like four in the morning. There you go. When I was twenty five, and then I was like, I'm never going to see this band again. And here you are, twenty five years later. Because I'm going. How long on. were they around before that? Ten because, years. Because, because I'm going to move on. Yeah, like yeah. Because I'm going to move on to like Wynton Marsalis. So at a minimum, they've <laughs> been a band for what 35, 40 years. Yes. Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, you know, and and then somebody did bring up the point. I just I kept. They brought up the point about like why does it have to be just like a geezer, you know, uh, right. baby boomer band every exactly. time. And uh, I think that's a valid point. Because that stage. That I mean, just, stage is the baby boomer Dude, think stage. about think about it's this. It's Quint Davis, Think about it? this. Think isn't about it? this. I, I put up, I, I just responded, Wu-Tang. Right. And I did it for reasons that are solid reasons. Because right. last year, they announced essentially to the world that they were getting back together. Right. right. And, and I was like, well, Wu-Tang's getting back together. They're talking about touring. They've been performing together. They released a couple. They released some things as recordings. So obviously, like they're gelling, right? Being pushing fifty years old is not good enough to be considered <laughs> classic. You know what I mean? All those dudes are old, like me and you. They're all as old. You know what I mean? They're all just, they're like just Most people think that, like, when you're 47 or 50 years old, man, that, like, your fucking recording career in pop music is over, you know, or something <laughs> like that. And here we are, like, thinking that Wu-Tang Clan is some it's kind too of young. fucking controversial <laughs> like, and too new, too you know, to, like... For the jazz for fest the jazz at the stage. For the jazz fest at the Acura stage. Because the Acura stage has to be this, like... <laughs> generation fucking boomer generation thing yeah or something jesus look Christ. man you only got five more years of that shit man and God it's done it, man it's fucking done come on quint i'm just saying i love you. look shout out and love much love to all our people yes 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 shout out i agree and much genuine love i agree but come on quint we're like wu-tang is controversial <laughs> right wu-tang is not controversial man <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if one of those dudes is just like rolling out in a wheelchair, man. Yeah, on one totally. of those fucking, with an oxygen you know, like, tank. Who knows what? With an it, oxygen tank. Yeah. yeah. Like, like who knows where like, those guys are in terms exactly. of their physical well-being. It's, it's like James Brown, man. <laughs> I mean, the last time I saw him. It's, it's, it's like you're acting like this shit is some fucking new shit, man, exactly. for crying out loud. It's These, a fucking Wu-Tang Clan. 
Dave Chappelle went off the air like 15 years ago. Come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Like none of like 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 Jesus fucking. We Christ. have this Come thing. On. We have this thing where we hold on to the newness of things now, right. like way more than we used to. Totally. You know, like like the early 90s, folks. The early fucking 90s, man. Right. You know, more time has passed between then and now right. than passed between the very first rock record that was ever made and the fucking Beatles. Most psychedelic shit that they ever fucking made, you know? Yeah. Like, like, and that's the formative years of rock and roll and pop music in the United States, you know? And we're having, and we're like, "Mm, not really sure, not really sure if Wu-Tang Clan can, uh, can be the band. Exactly. You know? Uh, yeah, let's you tell can, our guest to come, come on come in on here. In. We got our guest come here. Come on in, Andy. Yep. All right. Hey, Andy, how you doing, man? All right. Good, good. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up on that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a good life, babe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Uh, it's just us chickens on this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that uh, screed about environmental catastrophe and our <laughs> our downer downer episode. Bummer, bummer of the week. Bummer of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you next time. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Yeah, you're right.